Get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me for a final preview of the second week of the was it the preseason challenge cup or they call it these days, alongside round four of the junior reps, plus some other preseason action is my good mate Sixties. Big fellow, we weren't recording too long ago, uh, but a blink of an eye and we're up to close to the weekend and ready to talk footy again. Yes, well, good day, mate, and also good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever our listeners are tuning in right now. It's back to the three podcasts per week for the tip sheet. We've got a special guest today that we're going to place into the first part of the podcast for people who like to break the podcast up into listening segments. Steve Georgialis is joining us as special guest. He's the Eels Elite Pathways Coaching Director, and he's going to be talking about what's happening in junior reps so far this year. He's also the NRLW head coach, so we try to grab a few words with him about what's happening in the female space at the Eels. Really looking forward to this podcast. People, it's going to be a big one, so stick with us for uh, what is a whole lot of previews despite the fact that we're still in the preseason. And before we jump to our fantastic chat with Steve Georgialis, and again, thanks to him for taking the time out to talk to the Eels Pathways and the female space of us. Uh, yesterday, 60s, in the space of an hour, we had a whirlwind sort of uh, news bombshell where the Eels were gone, going from potentially securing the services of Wayne Bennett as a coaching director to it being absolutely shot to death uh, by Eel CEO Jim Sarantinos. Uh, what were your thoughts on the story on on story there? Well, I think it's been shot, because it's been shot down so quickly, I don't really think there's any point in giving it any oxygen whatsoever. It's it's just some sort of beat up. I don't even know why you'd be talking about something where there's no facts that have come out about it. So, yeah, I probably don't want to talk too much about it at all. Um, instead, mate, let's give a shout out to our wonderful sponsors, Big Swing Golf at North Mead. And remember, it's more than just golf down there. There's plenty of other simulated sports games that you can enjoy down there as part of a party or just going down there with your mates. It's a great venue to be at. Uh, of course, Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellan and Parramatta, they've been with us almost since our inception. So big shout out and thanks to them. And given that we are also talking about the junior reps previews, another shout out to Paraleagues. They are massive supporters of Junior Rugby League in Parramatta. They help out with the uh, costs for all Junior Rugby League players across all of the junior clubs in the Parramatta district. They support our coverage of the Junior Rugby League in uh, for the, the Elite Pathways Junior Rugby League for Parramatta, and uh, we appreciate that support. Well said, mate, and now let's get on to our chat with Steve. Over the last four years as part of the Cumberland Throws coverage of the Parramatta Reels junior rep season, we've been privileged to speak with the Elite Pathways coaching director. It just so happens that in 2024, this person is also the new Eels NRLW head coach, Steve Georgialis, on behalf of the Eels supporters. First of all, welcome to Paradise. 
And secondly, thank you for joining us for this episode of The Tip Sheet. Yeah, no worries at all, uh, Craig. Uh, good to be on the podcast and um, yeah, looking forward to a good juniors year. Um, the, the boys' side, the SG ball and the mats are into round four and both undefeated. Um, so they're going really well. And the uh, girls, Leslie Fowler, had their first win last week. Unfortunately, Tasha Gale have come up against uh, two tough teams and uh, you know they're hoping to get back in the winner's circle this week uh, down in Wollongong against the Steelers. Well, we're going we're gonna to dig a little bit more on some of those performances. But first of all, Steve, our listeners would be really interested in getting a little bit of information as how you come to be at the Eels. And then secondly, could you provide an overview of what your role Entails. I mean, apart from the obvious part of coaching the NRLW side later this year, what what your role is at the, at the club? Yeah, I. Um, it's a funny story. I was actually overseas last year, um, coaching the uh, Greek rugby league team. Um, we had a few games over there, and um, Mark O'Neill rang me while I was over there and said, "Are you interested in uh, the Pathways coaching job?" Nathan Brown looks like he might be um, moving on and um, just, you know, asking if I was interested. And I said, yeah, I'm yeah, very interested. Um, I'd finished my three years at the Cowboys and I was coming back to Sydney, uh, obviously to be back with the family. Yep. Three three years away was long enough. And um, so when he approached me of that, I said, oh, yeah, I'm very interested. Um, we'll catch up when I get back to Sydney. And then... I noticed there was the NRLW coach uh, position came up and I said, oh, I'm also interested in that when I was talking to him in, you know, in the following yep. days. And he said, oh, okay, yeah, um, yeah, we'll just you know, send your resume through and you've got a few people that have applied for the job. Um, so we'll you know, interview when you come back. Um, so came back and uh, Andy Patmore and James Shepherd were at the interview and, um, you know, obviously asking certain questions about and they knew obviously who I was yeah, as yeah. a coach and um, you know and how it fit in the pathways and obviously the pathways finishes about April 28th the grand final I think it's around that date and yep. then RLW doesn't start till July um, so it's sort of not you know I love coaching so I thought it would fit in quite well you know obviously there's still the Jersey flags on at the time which is still in the pathways program and um, Jordan Rankin's full time there, and I've got Josh Hodson working with me as well. So we thought it'd fit in quite well um, at the time, and I was lucky enough to get uh, both jobs, and here I am. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and so you've you've got that separation, I guess, of the seasons, haven't you? I mean, you've is there any overlap that's happening at the moment with the women's space with what you're doing with the with the junior reps? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's we're going to have our first Harvey Norman team, so there's a little bit of preparation for that. Um, you know, I'm sort of doing that um, as well as the pathways. So my main focus is the pathways, you know, especially the, the mats and the balls, of the ball team, just to make sure that um, you know our targeted players are getting the correct coaching, and you know, our, our main uh, focus is to get those players through the system and you know, to Brad Arthur and sure that they're, you know, they're being coached and getting every opportunity to make uh, the NRL, which we know is there's only a small percentage of players yes. that do, do make it and we've got to make sure that we're giving the right coaching to those sorts of players and getting them through and make sure our coaches, uh, you know, Mitch Lewis and Charbel are, are, 
are doing you know what we need them to do to get those players through. So um, it, it's it's hard because that takes up a lot of your time. So yep. when I do have spare time, um, I'm looking at the Harvey Norman and the NRLW. Um, with the Harvey Norman being our first year, um, you know the coaches, the assistant coaches, you know making sure that we've got the right people in the right place, um, and then obviously we had the last year's Tasha Gale team. We had their better players assigned up for our Harvey Norman, and yep. then making sure that um, you know we get a certain players around them uh, to help that team, and then obviously this year the NRLW, I've got twenty four signed players and four dev players and obviously the four dev players will go back and play Harvey Norman which is great and then four say you know just say I've got 20 selected every week another four players will go back so just sort of juggling all that up and making sure that we've got enough players yeah for the Harvey Norman so when we do throw players back and we've got the players that came from Tarshagal last year and we're looking after the players in our area and our community so yeah it's um yeah, it's my spare time basically yeah. going on into yeah. that. <laughs> so, you know, my job's pathways and I'm doing that, but then spare time-wise I'm, I'm looking at, um, at, at June, July, yeah. Yep. You gave them a really neat wrap-up in your introduction, but going back to the early performances of the junior rep teams, the SG ball team remains undefeated after three rounds, wins over the Warriors, the Sharks and I believe the Tigers. Um, what's pleased you most about their start of the season? Oh, uh, T- to be honest, um, I know it's an over overused word, but um, their resilience. I mean, they were behind in both their first two games. Um, you know, and um, I mean, like 12, 14 points with you know twenty minutes to go in the second half, and um, the way they fought out of that, played for each other, and um, and got both games. They got you know the win um, by coming from behind. I thought that was. That was the most outstanding thing I picked up from both those teams. Sixties and I have been discussing across our review of each of the three rounds in the junior reps that they've finished stronger than their opposition in all three games, which is usually a sign of superior fitness and also just uh, determination, isn't it? It's a bit of character. Yeah, it's it's fitness and also um, the want to you know to to win. I mean, you can't coach that. I mean, you you're either competitive or you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, both um, all three games have showed that competitiveness in the last always say, first 35 and the last 35, there have been lapses, but just the willingness to, to do their job, know their role um, and play the full 70 minutes, um, which is the SG ball, um, time-wise, is, you know, it's, it's, you're right, it's, it's the best aspect of, of that team at the moment. And considering the number of players who are SG ball age eligible that have been elevated up through the grades as well, that's uh, particularly good performance for... Uh, that particular team. Yeah, and um, we were actually talking to the coach this morning, Mitch Lewis, and um, we're having a chat, and they've got no easy games. I mean, yeah. they're playing the Steelers this week, they're undefeated. Um, you know, and then I think the following week they're playing the Bulldogs. Um, they've got Newcastle, so they're in the tough side of the draw. So if they can, you know, play consistently and have no injuries, um, they'll, they'll be... In, if they're in the semis, um, which I'm, I'm assuming they will be and I'm hoping they will be, um, bar injury, um, they would have played those tough games mm-hmm. and which will set them up for that final series. Yeah. Um, the Fiola, Gail and Matt's teams all had buys last week. Uh, you mentioned the Matt side earlier. They've recorded impressive wins in their first two matches. Uh, from what I've seen thus far, they play a 
like a real clinical brand of football, uh, very physical middles, solid game management, and edges and backs that are play off the back of that. Um, is that a fair assessment of them as a team? Yeah, I also think that, um, I mean, they've got some good halves, uh, Lincoln Fletcher, um, where is it, um, Talon, Helen, sorry. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, and they <laughs> funny enough, their hooker's playing really good football at the moment. Yeah. Too, Ezra. Yes. Ariata. So I think their combination is coming through. Um, it's scored some great tries where, you know, three of them have popped up all sorts of, all, all over the football field. Um, we've talked about, we've talked a bit, we've talked to them about combining when they get down there, just don't stick to your side. Yep. Um, and I think progression-wise, um, they're learning how to play together. And, um, yeah, um, yeah, it's a fair assessment of what you're saying, but just like the fact that they're, we call it the spine, are really combining. And obviously, Cyrus at the backs. Yeah, um, well, he's, he's certainly got some t- some wheels on him, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, and he's playing some good football. So those yeah. four, if we, you know, if they can keep themselves fit, um, you know, they'll give it a good shake. Yeah, very well balanced team. Now we move on now to the Lisi Fiola, uh, who you mentioned drew a very tough opponent in their first round in the Bulldogs, who were very impressive. Natasha Gale last year looked to have built really nicely in both the Fiola and the Gale this year. Got back on track against the Sharks. Was it a matter of eliminating the errors from round one to round two? Or were they simply better for the lessons they learned in that loss to the Bulldogs? Yeah, I think they were better for the lessons they learned in that round one. They didn't complete well. And when you're playing a team <laughs> with big forwards, I mean, some of their forwards were bigger yeah, the, than uh, our Tasha yes, Gal girls. very yeah, big yeah. And if you don't complete, I mean, it doesn't really matter how fit you are. And when girls of that size, um, having that much ball, eventually... You, uh, you're going to let in some you're going tries. To the scoreboard, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So um, I, I think they learnt a lot from that game, and I think they'll be better for it. Uh, and then we saw in round two they held the ball a little bit better, and um, yeah, I mean, again, they'll, they'll be playing a team this week that's you know quite strong. Steelers again down in Wollongong. So you know, again, if they can improve from round two, um, you know, they should be very competitive in that game. Yeah, another un. Uh, Steelers again undefeated in in that grade um, in the uh, Lisa Fiola Cup, so they're doing uh, particularly well. The Steelers, um, the Tasha Gale team, I thought they arguably had the better of that opening fifteen minutes against the Sharks, and then there was the disallowed try, and then the whole momentum of the match changed. Uh, there's things that I'm seeing that they're doing, particularly the second phase play, that looks really good, but they can't find a win. So what do they need to do to be able to get into the winner's list? Yeah, unfortunately you see that a lot, you know, when you're attacking someone's try line and, um, you know, sometimes it's usually when you don't score and the other team goes down the other park, other side of the field and scores. Um, it usually deflates the, mm. the opposition. Mm-hmm. But when you actually do score and the try's taken off you for, you know, for whatever reason, um, I think she dropped the ball over the line, Oh, that, that's even more deflating. And then yeah. they went down the other end of the field and scored. And so it's like a 12-point turnaround. Yes. Um, and they tried to come back from it. Um, and, and you're right, they play some really good footy. Um, yeah. and they throw the ball around and um, that's their style. Um, they're, not, they're not as big as some of the other teams in the comp, so they need to throw the ball around and try and tie the opposition out. So again, their completion rate wasn't the best either. Um, so, I mean, I think both the women's teams or the girls' teams need to 
complete better against these bigger teams um, and not give them as much ball. And they'll probably find that they'll score the points at the end of each half. And I think that happened with Alyssa Fiala against the Bulldogs in the first round where they, they completed better towards the end and they were getting on top. Yeah. They were starting to make inroads around those forwards. But again, came out second half and probably didn't complete as well. Um, so, I mean... They're the two things that they really need to improve, understanding that game management-wise, if you can complete, um, the bigger girls will start to tire. But if you give them too much ball, then they'll get on top. Yeah, they're not getting to create any defensive fatigue whatsoever in the opposition when they're not completing those sets, especially, you know, when a lot of those errors are happening as they're getting into an attacking position and then they're turning it over without any sort of pressure being applied. So yeah. And we always talk about, about those regular league truisms, but holding on to the ball and getting for your sets, it's so important, whether it's the NRL or yeah. the Lisa Fiola and Harold Matthews. Yeah, and it doesn't change. Like, uh, we always talk about it. That in the first two or three weeks, everyone's getting fitter, yep. everyone's getting, you know, that game time. It doesn't matter how much fitness you do, you still need that... Actual game Actual minutes. game time yeah. where you get this contact, and, you know, and the most important thing is to get through your sets. And if you don't, um, and the opposition does, well, then you always going to be behind pretty, the Pretty ball. significant competitive advantage, yeah. 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 Now, you've both foreshadowed this, but it's a tough road trip uh, to Wollongong this weekend for all four grades, taking on the Illawarra Steelers at home. Um, they're undefeated in the Boar, the Gale and the Fiola Cup, leaving on the Harold Matthews team for a loss their name across the first three rounds. What are your expectations for this week? I, yeah, it's, you know, you're playing it, uh, exactly, you're playing the Steelers who, you know, three undefeated in three grades and Obviously, only one loss in the other grade. Um, we're going to be competitive. Uh, and we talked about the SG, SG ball and their resilience, and I, I, I think we'll see that. So it'll be about you know who controls the ball and who manages the game the best. Um, I, th- I think Dylan Brettel's been doing a great job of that in the SG ball. Uh, in the mats, um, again, they want to go down there and they want to obviously improve on what they've been doing the last two weeks. They had a bye last week, so hopefully their mentality will be get through our sets, um, you know, and score the points late in each half. Um, that'll be their mentality, not just throw the ball around and expect to score. Um, but, yeah, they've got some strike in that Mats team. And the Steelers, you know, again, I know they had a loss, but... They're going to be tough down a wall. Yeah. All Steelers teams are tough down a wall. Yeah, they are. They've, they've, they got are. A, they've got a good system in general, the yeah. Laura squad. So. And the, the, the Lisa Fiala and Tasha Gale, they're going to be, again, very tough games, but hopefully they've learnt from the first two weeks and understand that, you know, if they can hold the ball, um, they're going to be in a position to win the game. And if they don't, um, you know, it's going to be a, a repeat of the first two rounds where, you know, that's going to be hard. Yeah. And, and, you mentioned um, a couple of players and uh, we gave a bit of a shout-out to the halves in the SG ball in, in Dylan and uh, Lorenzo. Oh, yeah, Lorenzo's been great. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, that's silly of me not to mention him. He's been um, you know, a great attacking weapon. You know, Dylan's been getting him around the football field and Lorenzo's been popping up and making those inroads and he's just lightning and he's great on his feet. Even though Dylan scored a hundred metre try yeah, yeah, for the scrum, yeah. we'll big, say it's a hundred now. Big so dummy and going, yeah, 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 yeah. it'll be eighty. But yeah, yeah um, you know the halves are playing really well uh, in that grade. I thought actually I said to John through the week because we've been watching these boys, uh, you know, like in Harold Matts and now up into SG Ball that I thought 
that individually, never mind as a, as a combination or as a team, but I thought individually that was the best performances I'd seen from the two of them in the, in the years that we've been watching them coming through pathways. So they're, they're, they're certainly uh, performing at their best. And yeah, hitting the right notes right now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's reflective of, of the team as well. So um, finally, Steve, we're, at the, we're just going to touch on uh, the women's space. Um, we've just had that welcome news that Mahalia Murphy has signed a contract extension with the club, which is uh, fantastic. We saw a bit of her in, um, in the uh, SAS TV show, and she certainly showed... Uh, the character that she's got and the leadership skills that she's got. So as a as a senior player, she's a great one to extend with the club. But we're just wondering if there are any any updates of any sort from the NRLW or the Harvey Norman uh, Premiership team that you're able to share today. Um, not today, but I think next time we chat, I think there there'll be a few more signings, uh, a few more extensions, and you know possibly. You know, the Harvey Norman coach and the assistant coaches will probably be announced in the next few weeks as well. So, um, you know, I'm hoping that can be all done. We'll mark that down as a question yeah. that yeah. will definitely be asked <laughs> so take, next Taking on notice, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so, uh, I mean, it, it's hard for me at the moment because we don't start pre-season until about May and yeah. my focus is obviously the pathways and um, making sure that... Uh, we're in a good position to make the finals and that we do get to the finals. I mean, that's the ultimate goal. Um, and once we get there, you know, hopefully to win them. But um, in relation to the Harvey Normans and the NRLW, yeah, I'll, I'll probably have more information for you next time we speak. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to coaching uh, that team and obviously getting to know the players, which is, you know, a big part of coaching. And I don't know them um, as such because I, it's the first time I've gone into the of us to the, to the women's part of the game. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's all new to me and getting to know all, all the players and the opposition and who's who in the zoo. and Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's all new, so um, yeah, I'm looking forward to slowly getting um, my head around all that, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a fun process for both you and as fans watching the Harvey Normans Women's Premiership team and the NRLW team grow. So really looking forward to updates there and then seeing you in action later in the season. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, can't wait, really. All right, thanks for the chat, Steve. You've done a fantastic job and we look forward to catching up for you soon. No worries at all, John. Again, 60s, a massive thank you to Steve Jojalis for taking the time out to chat to both of us about the Junior Pathways as well as the Harvey Norman's Women's Premiership and the NRLW. Hopefully you guys enjoyed and we look forward to catching up with him again in the coming weeks, especially with some of that NRLW news that he was hinting at. Absolutely, John. It's always good to get a bit of insight from the people involved in the program. And as you just said, we really appreciate the time that Steve gave us uh, recording that yesterday and uh, looking forward to the rest of his input for us, the remainder of the junior rep season. But we've now got the uh, NRL trial to talk about and mate can you take us through the team list just to kick things off yeah it's a massive weekend for the eels both across the pre-season and the actual competitive season depending on the senior or junior nature of the games we have the three uh pre-season games across the nrl new south wales cup and jersey flag uh, and we'll start with the nrl where brad arthur is named uh, ostensibly a full strength squad depending on your opinion on a few different positional battles which is uh the real interesting part of the pre-season isn't it 60 seeing all this stuff play out 
Um, but we start at fullback for the Eels with Clinton Gulferson. No surprises there. He's our captain and first choice fullback. On the wings, Mike Acevo makes his start in the preseason alongside Sean Russell. On the other flank, Will Penasini, as we all expected, is at right centre. It looks like Bailey Simonson has his nose in front at the left centre spot ahead of Morgan Harper. In the halves, Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses combine for the first time this year. Ditto on the front row where we see Reagan Campbell-Gillard and Junior Barlow get their first action. Joey Lussick is the first choice hooker. Uh, on one edge, we have Sean Lane and Bryce Cartwright on the other, presumably left and right respectively. Jermaine Hopgood comes back from the All-Stars game unscathed. He'll start at lock forward. On the interchange, Brendan Hands has uh, won the utility role there, or seemingly won the utility role after a very strong trial against the Raiders. Wittemu Greg, Joe Opengahi, and Kelma Tualangi round out the interchange. We have a, was it six-man? Five-man, if I can count. Yeah, five-man extended roster, uh, featured by uh, Ryan Madison, Morgan Harper, Hayes Dunster, Dejan Arce, and Blaze Talangi. Uh, the Titans, 60s, have also named a pretty strong team. Uh, big names there. you got Carm Pereira, Brimson, Sami, Foran, Boyd, Fodawaka, Verrills, uh, the two far, I saw Marla Awis, although obviously Tino was the bigger of the two names there. And uh, the luckless Bo Furmore making a return from, I believe, was it an ACL injury last year? Um, he's he's been in the wars the last couple of seasons, so a talented player, but without any luck in the recent years. And this one's played out at uh, North Ipswich Reserve, five o'clock p.m. on Sunday, the twenty fifth. It actually rounds out the final week of uh, the preseason Challenge Cup with the Eels and Titans playing the last game. And yeah, really looking forward to this one, mate. What are your talking points from the team list and what you want to see in this game? Well, first of all, the interesting selection with the Titans. There's a player down the list that I think's got all the talent in the world and I'm wondering how it is that he can't force his way in. That's uh, Jojo Fafita. He's uh, maybe maybe still a bit of a diamond in the rough and they don't see him as being uh, capable of being a starter at this stage. But I don't know, what's your, what's your thoughts on Jojo? Yeah, he had some really nice moments last year. Uh, but, yeah, it's... It's tough, isn't it, when you see this stuff? Is there something like off the field that, or in terms of training that we're not seeing? Because uh, when you have a player as talented as him, and again, the, the Titans actually have a fair bit of uh, surprising talent across their across their roster. But you'd think, looking at that team, let me just pull it back up here. I mean, Camp, Sammy and Cam Pereira, because he plays in the back line, but you got maybe Brian Kelly might be the weak spot in that back line, and you, you might be able to argue that either. Fafita or maybe Sami could play in the centres. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because they've got two utilities on the bench in Randall and Clark, but neither of which can play in the back line. So you could argue you could put him on the bench too, but he, he does seem like an, a, a tough odd man out in this team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially when you see him listed so far down in the interchange list as well. And yes. I know it's not that, always that may not have, yeah. I mean, that may not have too much bearing in as far as uh, where he's seen in the pecking order there, and and it's probably the, the most minutes normally go to forwards, but, you know, he might end up getting close to half a game. You never know what happens with a team that runs out for the second half uh, in these sorts of trial matches. But it was just an observation I wanted to make at the start because, you know, certainly from the Eels' perspective, if they're looking at still at any external recruitment, uh, maybe he's one that might be worth having a mm-hmm. chat to. Uh, oh yeah, you know that. You, you that, always have those conversations, don't you? When you're in terms of the the recruitment side, you're definitely not closing the door on something like that. 
yeah. So anyway, that was just uh, I just wanted to mention that first off, just in case I forgot that I wanted to mention him uh, when it came to the uh, Titans. But this is pretty much now what we'd expect the starting thirteen to be for the Eels. That was really signalled last week with both the players that were selected and the players that weren't selected for the first trial. To me, it's been evident from pre-season training. I said there was only a couple of uh, positions that maybe hadn't been entirely decided, that being the that battle for centre that's happened between Simonson and Harper. They have been playing on opposite sides of the field. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure whether it, whether there's that versatility there to for either of them to swap sides, but it looks like Simonson, as the incumbent, and maybe to an extent you can understand that as as the incumbent in the black, back line that he's getting that first shot. Mm-hmm. We know we will see some game time from Morgan Harper in, probably in the second half here. So it'll be interesting to see whether he goes into the centre spot that's occupied by Simonson. And then likewise, whether Simonson comes off the field or switches over to the wing spot, because that's that's also possible. And it doesn't mean in any way that he's going to push someone out of a wing spot, because I think at this stage, Sivo and Russell are, are no-brainer lock-ins on the wings, but uh, it has been an interesting preseason battle between those two centres. Uh, we've spoken at length about what's happening in that dummy half role, and BEA gave the clue about not selecting a hooker on the bench, so it was going to be unlikely that you would see Brendan Hand selected as starting dummy half and Joey Lussick coming off the bench. It was always going to be if uh, if Brendan Hands was to uh, be on the bench that it would probably be as a bit of a utility role rather than a straight-out dummy half role. Now, whether they go with that in the season proper or whether BA goes with four forwards, that still is up in the air. But I think it's... Uh, that that probably will end up being a horses for courses approach, won't it? Yeah. Up yeah, against, I, you know, I, a monster forward pack, maybe go for the extra the beef on the bench. Otherwise, they're having that utility and the ability to shuffle uh, via different players, uh, pretty much the entire covering the entire team is really nice have, with our, our Brendan Hands on the bench. Yeah, and you know what? I think it's... it Maybe it's not just as well that... Uh, I mean... I think the horses for courses definitely comes into it. And it might also be if you've got a player in the spine that's got a bit of a niggle and you maybe want to keep the option to replace them before the end of the match or um, you're concerned about them getting through 80 minutes, then he, then Brendan Hands is an excellent option to have there because of the fact that he can cover as many positions uh, as he does. So... Uh, it, it might mean a bit of a, depending on when an injury, where the injury occurs, that there might still be a little bit of a, a reshuffle. But mm-hmm. I think without doubt that uh, he can come in and be a straight out replacement at a dummy half at lock in one of the halves positions. Uh, it, obviously, if something happened to an outside back or a full back, you might end up with a bit of a reshuffle. But I think it 
that versatility works in his favour on the interchange. But of course, it's as we said, it's all a lot of conjecture in terms of what BA is still to do when it comes to the structure of his bench. Yeah. So, uh, mate, oh, I should also mention I tweeted about this. The uh, there was a, a wide world of sport article on what the Eels' top 17 would be. And they had um, Maddo as a starter in the back row. And uh, I think they only had one middle listed on the bench. Well, regard- regardless of how you thought the preseason was going to shake out in terms of these trial lists with Madison now named as 18th man versus uh, being on the interchange... Naming as a starter would be contrary to everything we've seen with what Brad Arthur uses him in uh, as an NRL player anyway, because he plays off the interchange for us as a you know big minutes player, but doesn't start that often. So, and when he does, uh, when he does come on, he's part of the middle rotation. Exactly, not, not on the edge. Not as a back, yeah, he, not he, a, he's not emergency edge. cover on the edge. Like he's a very good backup option to have, uh, but yeah, he's a uh, primarily a middle in our structures. Absolutely. So uh, it's interesting the that lengthy interchange roster because uh, apart from uh, Greg Offengawi, Tuolangi and Madison, we're, we're looking at uh, hands as that utility and uh, four backs. Or so, yeah, four backs slash spine players, exactly. So can we interesting to see how Brad Arthur rations the minutes here? Um, given that what most of the starting team didn't play last week, you could see him getting a pretty healthy 50, maybe 60 minutes um, based on what we've seen from other preseason trials. But then again, they've also mixed things up this preseason. So there could be a different formula being applied to our starters in this trial match. So we have to wait and see, but I am interested to see how they use that extended roster sixties. Um, obviously the, the name that most people will be keen to see is blaze Talangi, um, where he'll play and what sort of minutes he'll get. Will he just be in the, well, it's not even, second string team at this point because even if you bring all those changes on it's still a pretty handy team um, but yeah do you think he'll play at fullback in this game or fullback centre I I would think he's still going to go to fullback from the perspective of uh, the more experience that he gets there the better mm-hmm. uh, I, yeah I wasn't sure when we were talking the other night about whether he might end up playing in the halves or at centre but to my way of thinking, there's got to be a chance that he'd end up back at fullback because, as I said, the more experience he gets there, the better. And it, it's obvious from that, uh, from preseason and from that first trial, that they're getting him prepared to have a tilt at fullback. I'm not talking about that he's kind of come into the NRL this year as a fullback, anything like that. But it is a steep learning curve to be not just a fullback, but an NRL fullback. And uh, the more time that you can serve in an apprenticeship Mm -hmm. is it's the better. And uh, I mean, you, you probably can't get apart from playing an NRL game, getting that time in an NRL trial is going to be valuable to his development. So it it all goes well for him, given the relative strength of the paramedicals roster and the fact that they haven't used their full complement of the, the second trial players. We, we see the Titans of 24 uh, named players versus Parramatta's 22. The fact that Tlongi is in the mix here, you know, it doesn't point towards a necessarily an, an early debut in season 2024, but it means that he will be in the mix 
if he can get a strong campaign in the New South Wales Cup under his belt. Yes. The, the other thing that I'm keen to see in this match is just how it's treated by the Eels overall. Now, you don't want to knock yourself out in the trial, especially the last trial of the preseason when the very next match is going to be the opening round. Mm -hmm. But by the same token, there's certain things that you want to see. We'd want to see uh, better line speed this Absolutely. week. Now, when you are talking about players that are very experienced NRL players versus players that are uh, younger and less experienced, there is a decided difference in the line speed that they will deliver. It's uh, unless, and people don't realise this, talk to, a, talk to a young player who's getting their first taste of NRL and ask them about things like the physicality of NRL compared to lower grade football ask them about the speed of the game of NRL compared to lower grade football and the impact that it has uh, on them trying to compete out there and you will get perhaps a greater appreciation of what a step up it is. Even in a trial, it is a big step up for young players and uh, anyone that thinks someone can just come in and be ready to go when they have not played very much open football, open age football, uh, you're going to be mistaken on that because it is, it is, it's one out of the box. It's a player out of the box that's ready to do that. Yeah, we, we literally and, saw it last week with Ethan Sanders and Blaise Talangi, like two relative yeah. superstars to their age formats. And they came into, it wasn't even a full strength NRL trial, uh, but the, the speed of the game, you could see it catching up to them. Um, and their, their yeah. ability to process plays uh, where they would have all the time in the world playing in SG Ball or even Jersey Flag playing up, you know, two, three years in that group. Uh, whereas versus, you know, reserve grade senior football uh, caliber players uh, and borderline NRL players, if not outright NRL players across a few positions. Yeah, it, it is a huge jump. And, it, and not only the speed of the play, but that physicality as mm -hmm. well, because, yep. and, and by physicality, it's not just them getting hit by defenders, it's them having to hit the, the older, the, the, larger, the larger frames. Yep. yep. Because that that's that's another thing that should be pointed out to people is that it, it takes at least two to three seasons of pre-seasons and uh, open-age football for players to start to develop an NRL frame. We, uh, and we saw that with one of the most physical players we've had in recent years with Murata Niakoro, where he, he had a long apprenticeship in the New South Wales Cup and was much better for it, to be honest. Um, that, that let him get up to speed for the NRL much better. But, yeah, it, it takes time, even when you're someone as physically dominant as Murata. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and Murata, when we had the opportunity to speak to him just after he debuted, and he spoke about how grateful he was that his debut was left as long as it as it had been simply because he said it was it was such a big step up and you end up feeling gassed after a short period of time out on the field in your early experiences in NRL football it's just how it is and they the 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 players will feel the bumps and bruises it, it is a different kettle of fish to 
playing in pathways uh, football and uh, or, or playing lower grade football. It is a, it is a major step up, and uh, part of that apprenticeship is playing at New South Wales Cup level for a period of time because again it gets used to playing against uh, bigger framed players. Um, but then there's that that major step up again with that pace of the game and even more physicality moving from New South Wales Cup to uh, to NRL. So. Yeah, so from my perspective this week, because it is primarily experienced NRL or senior grade football, that you are going to get a bit of a spotlight on Blaze as the youngster out there that is uh, a player on the rise and it stands out that he's the most inexperienced of those named in the Eels Eels team. And... uh, yeah, he's going to be better for all of these runs, but don't go expecting him to suddenly flash into first grade. He'll he needs to do this apprenticeship, as I spoke about. So mm-hmm. uh, he's a, he's a major talent, but give him his time to develop. It's um it, it's really important. And the other thing that people shouldn't forget is uh, Blaze missed a lot of the start of the season last year with an injury and then and then got a late start in Flegg after the SG ball with, um, I think he had a rib injury from the city country games, I think, that were held at the end of the junior rep season. So uh, this will be the first full season that he will be doing um, for a couple of years. So, yeah, let's give him time to develop. Let's, let's not rush a, a player who could just be a major talent coming through for the Eels. And then moving on with that sort of team motif that you were talking about, 60s, line speed, yes, that is a big one. I want to see that box checked uh, come the conclusion at you know five uh, 6.30 p.m. on Sunday. I want to see some aggression in defense, some controlled offloads potentially. I know that's one of the real hallmarks of the Parramatta Eels game plan is our ability to slip in and out of structure perhaps better than any other team in the competition and our ability to offload sometimes we get a little bit lost in the source right you know we get a little reckless with offloads but when we offload with intent uh and and with a bit of focus we are so lethal so i want to see a bit of that um and then yeah individually i think there's a whole raft of players that i'm just curious to see how they're going to return in 2024 there are some players you don't question their credentials mitchell moses one of them obviously quinton gufferson equally so um they're players that have cemented themselves as legitimate blue chip players in this competition. I want to see what a, a refocused or renewed Dylan Brown's going to bring this year. Um, there's been a bit of talk from him in the preseason about uh, what he owes to the club and getting back on track and unlocking himself as a player. So I want to see that from Dill. Um, our two bookends, Reg and Junior, um, they probably suffered from a lack of a preseason due to the World Cup last year. I'm looking forward to seeing what they have in the tank this year now they've had a chance to Get not, not even. I mean, it sounds way too dismissive to say back on track, but just benefiting from a proper preseason. Um, aside from that, probably the big one for me, sixties, and obviously the interchange battle is huge between Greg Opengai to Alungi Madison. But the one I'm really looking forward to seeing, whether it was a flash in a pan or if uh, he is back to his devastating ways that he was well back in what 2019, um, late last year, it looked like someone had a chat with Mike Acevo and he was back to being a little bit more physical and aggressive. And I'm hoping that wasn't a flash in the pan. That wasn't just two or three games at the end of 2023. I want to see him come out 
and start a huge campaign in 2024 with a good trial effort. Yeah, I'm on board with that because we know what Mike Acevo can produce at his best. And last year, we only saw flashes of that. And one of the things that is essential for wingers is those efforts in yardage. The, the kick returns, the hit-ups that come after the kick, the, that first uh, catch and run. It's, it's now become like Rugby League 101 for wingers, hasn't it? It's, oh, yeah. It's and, and part the, of the, the trickle-down impact on your team, it, it's massive. Like, well, yes, having wingers make 150 metres looks good on the stat sheet. How much it influences your forward pack and their ability to stay fresh in a contest is it should not be slept on. It, it is one of the big reasons, one of the key parts of the formula at Penrith. Um, Absolutely. It, it, they're back free uh, between, obviously, To'o especially. He, he's the real specialist there. But also Dylan Edwards is a absolute workhorse in that regard. And obviously Guffo gets plenty involved too. Uh, but that their ability to... And again, it sounds dismissive because it, it's what they're doing but also not reflective of the quality of the forward pack. But their back line is able to carry their forward pack through the regular season on the back of the work they do and allow the forward pack to stay quote unquote fresh as fresh as you can be in the NRL until the final series where they just start ripping in and you see the best of Moses Leota and uh, James Fisher Harris. Well, it allows them to win the middle defensively, doesn't it? Yes. If, yeah. if they've got, if they've got less of a load to carry during what we might call the, those dirty yards, the dirty meters of, of having to get, you know, cart that ball up from your own end. There's no glamour plays that are happening at that end of the field, or it's rare that you get a glamour play from down there. Um, we might we might call it if if you were a uh, someone that kept your work to the uh, red zone that you're you're getting the glory runs when you're down that end. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's the it's the that hard dirty stuff that. When you when you're really maybe sucking in as much air as you can, as much oxygen as you can, where you've maybe been um, pinned on your line for a period of time, and you you're wondering how you're ever going to get up to the other end of the field, someone putting their hand up doing that is critical. And yeah, so we need Sivo. You can see, I mean, he's got that physicality that you need him to be using in our own end of the mm-hmm. field. So we've got no question about Sean Russell and he's he's really bravely carried the ball into contact despite being a lighter frame in previous years. Now he's nudging 100 kgs this season. So we're going to get a lot more from it from him in that regard and we saw evidence of that last week. If we can get to see that from Sivo He'll go not just from being a match winner where he's near unstoppable in the red zone, but if we can get those extra metres from him in yardage, that's going to go a long way to helping the forwards do the job that we know that they can do at Parramatta because I make no bones about it. The Eels have a pack that is a premiership winning level pack. I, I... I have no question about that whatsoever. They are the team that they can list, not just in the starting 17 on the in the pack, but also coming off the bench is one of the strongest in the NRL. You will see a pack that looks like that 
lifting trophies at the end of the year. It's what we're going to be able to do around that pack. So they will win the middle, but their, their job will get made easier if we can get that ball out in yardage. And let's hope that we start to see a little bit of that. Now, look, I'm not expecting players to completely bust a gut this week. No. I'm really not. We know it's a trial. As I said, you've got week one, round one coming up in just a couple of weeks. And we want the players to be involved this year. We had too many players missing in the early rounds last year. It didn't help with what then transpired because we were slow to start the season. And we can't we can't afford to go through that again. No, no only three starts this year. Yeah, we were under pressure from about round four onwards to catch up. Yeah, you, you and we don't you can't win a premiership in, in March and April, but you can sure put yourself behind the eight ball, can't you? So Oh absolutely. That is so true. Uh, you you can set yourself up for a a good year with the work that you do mm-hmm. early in the year. And we've seen that before with Parramatta because we've got off to great Traditionally start. we've we've gotten out to four and 5 and 0 starts. Yeah. So last year was a, a massive uh, run against the flow of what we've seen. And yeah, it was there were obviously factors like you spoke of sixties we had suspensions and injuries um, alongside a, a little bit of bad luck in was it three four point losses in a row? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Those were all contributing factors, but the the frustrating part was, and we always talk about it, is we didn't control everything that we could control. And that's it. And that's all you can do in these games where it's not necessarily a coin toss, but uh, when the field is so close and so competitive, and I know the Eels are slated as one of the better teams in this competition, but the reality is that we've seen a shift in parity in this competition in the last couple of years from being an incredibly top-heavy competition where there are still the cream of the crop, like the Penrith Panthers in particular, and, and now the Brisbane Broncos emerging as a potentially elite counterpart in that regard. But one one through to six used to be so much better than the rest of the competition uh, through uh, the late teens into the early 20s uh, on the calendar. And now it feels like, yeah, you, you go all the way down to, what, 11, 12, 13 even, and it's very competitive. And even the, the bottom barrel teams uh, are able of springing you know, 60 points on the Cowboys as we saw with the West Tigers last year. So you, you can't take those things away from what you can control. And when you do, it's how you spiral into an 0-3 start. So looking for the boys to create the platform on Sunday that will help them get out to a, a strong start against the Bulldogs in round one. And like you said, it doesn't mean going hell for lever and, and trying to belt the opposition into submission and uh, burning all your reserves in terms of energy. But it does mean we're going to need that line speed that you, sp- you spoke about, a bit of aggression in defense, um, and a bit of intent and uh, not, you know, showing all your cards in offense, but uh, playing with a bit of speed and getting downhill when you're spreading the ball. Yeah, and I think the key to that will still remain completions. Now, it's being captain obvious to talk about completions, but the more completions that you make, and especially when Parramatta has the capability of playing a bit of second-phase football off uh, their uh, possession, you know, especially if they get in, into high range of possession, you create defensive uh, fatigue, and that's probably going to be the hallmark of winning teams is those that can best create defensive fatigue. If you're turning the ball over, if you're not having controlled offloads, then 
you're creating a recipe to put yourself into fatigue. Now, the game itself is fast enough, hard enough, that there is enough natural fatigue in the game. You don't need to add to it by going through lengthy periods of defence simply because every time or too many times when you get the ball, you turn it over. So I'm going to be looking for maybe not so much flashy play this week, but as many completions as the Eels can possibly do. I, I would hope that they can get over 80 85% completions and we start to see uh, you know, a bit of second-phase footy played off the back of building up completions. Yeah, I'd so, put the threshold for what would be considered a at least a moderate success at 75% for the completion rates. Uh, you get yeah. to, you get to there, and on top of that, you're sort of going in, you know, from moderate success to good success to being, you know, very very successful. So that's where yeah, you want to see the Eels be at as a team with their focus on holding the ball. Obviously, you want to see the halves combining, the spine combining. Uh, see how Joey Lussick benefits from having another full preseason with the team after being rushed back from the Super League last year. Um, all those little combinations, you know, they're they're a big part of the preseason and also the early parts of the season proper as you sort of build into your campaign. Um, and the other one that we, we sort of spoke about everyone else in the back line, but the player that has very quietly gone about his business in the preseason in terms of the, the media, even when they keep trying to bug him about rugby union, and he's looking pretty jacked up this year, is Will Penasini. Um, you know, Will's been a, on the cusp of, it feels like he's been on the cusp of stardom in the wider audience for the last two years. Um, I know Eels fans obviously are, are all very keen on uh, well, not keen. Uh, they've all been very considerate of like his success here. He's been hailed for his uh, on-field achievements, but in the wider NRL, he hasn't really been uh, in the conversations for representative football, which is I thought always what was bizarre when we had that centre battle at Origin. And everyone was talking about Bradman Best. Will Benassini was not in the mix. I think this could be a big year for him. Yeah, he he might have had a quiet preseason in terms of the media attention. But I can assure everyone he hasn't had a quiet preseason in terms of his efforts out on the training track. You've mentioned the shape that he's in. His form has been outstanding in the preseason. He looks like a man on a mission out there. And I'm expecting him to have a really big season this year. He's combining on that side with Sean Russell. Yeah, I think Russell connection. Not- it's good to see, isn't it? Yeah, I think not only is that is that good from a couple of players that have come through uh, junior football, through the senior grades, as mates playing alongside each other, and you can see that connection that's there when they're out there playing, whether they're out there training, whatever the case may be. But, uh, yeah, as I said, Will has looked outstanding during the preseason, absolutely outstanding. So... I'm looking forward to what this year has in store on our right wing because uh, that that centre wing combination, I think it might do a bit of damage this year. Now, of course, that's on the side of Mitchell Moses and presumably Bryce Cartwright down the right edge. So it's a very dynamic edge in general. Um, in terms of, uh, I don't know if you want to make any predictions of this one, 60s, it's always hard with trials to... Uh, guess who's going to get what sort of minutes and, and different structures and different sort of playing rosters there and how that can change the context of a game. So I don't know if you want to do a general score outcome or maybe just like a, a key point in terms of your prediction, uh, in terms of who might be having a big game on the weekend. 
Look, in terms of score, I'll be happy for the Eels to win by a couple of points. I'm not even interested in the result to that extent that I want to see a big win or, um, I mean, you know, I'm, the I'm Eels. Com- completely fine with a competitive loss in this one here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, the result, it's uh, a little bit of icing on the cake if the Eels get a win. But from my perspective, I guess you probably said it before. I'm really keen to see how Dylan Brown mm-hmm. shapes up out there because he also has had a really focused preseason, like really focused. And look, there's things that never change in a preseason. Gutherson's always going to be the leading trainer. And even though he had some rehab to do for the first half of the preseason, as soon as he was back, you'd never you'd never known that it was like as soon as he was running with the rest of the group. It's like what meniscus repair? Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. He 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 finds another gear all the time, and when he was doing rehab, whether he was at you know on the exercise bike, which I thought might have caught fire. He was ripping into it that much up on the veranda watching watching training for a period of time. And then when he was running, it was, you know, you, you just knew when it, when he got back, he was just going to rip and tear the the training field apart. And he's done he's done exactly that. But I think it's been his leadership that's gone to another level. He's 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 always been very vocal out there, but just listening to how he speaks to the rest of his teammates when they're in a, uh, a huddle out there on the field, if, when he's giving instructions about what's just happened in a particular uh, drill or in a particular passage of play, if they're doing opposed work, he, he just, like, he just seems like he's taking that leadership role to a level that he hasn't been at before. And that instills a lot of confidence. Likewise, Mitch Moses is—he's becoming more of a leader out there. And I know BA has spoken about that. It doesn't mean that those two don't have fun out on the training paddock, because they do. Like you, you can hear the talk and the banter going on all the time. I, I'm sure one of them. Uh, made a comment the other day about um, uh, you want X factor, there's your X factor <laughs> when something happened. And they might have been talking themselves oh. up at that stage. You got to enjoy but, the self awareness of the NRL players in the modern day. Yeah. You know, just having having fun of all the NRL headlines that have been surrounding the club. Absolutely, absolutely. So look, it's it's a real uh, privilege and uh, and a source of enjoyment to see them uh, prepare for games at times and and just see the dynamic within the team. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, uh, look, we know what we're going to get with players like Gutherson and, and Dylan Brown. Oh, sorry, and Mitchell Moses. But after Dylan's up-and-down season last year, yeah, I, I'm like you, I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to produce out on the field. So um, we got our taste of of the potential of Kilmer to Alungi mm-hmm. last mm-hmm. week. I, I've been singing his praises 
during preseason training reports. I've said he was someone to watch. I said he was a lock-in in the 17, basically from the start of the preseason after after looking at not just his size, but he arrived fit and ready to go for the preseason. Well, basically both he and Morgan Harper arrived in great shape. And that was a really pleasing thing to see players arrive from another club and they're ready to go with an Eels preseason. Yeah, there's but, a difference between using that preseason to get into top shape and using that preseason arriving in top shape to get into elite shape. And I think Kelman's done a great job there. He was definitely one of the players I was going to circle 60s. Um, we saw a fantastic stint from him last week. And what how he's going to be used off the interchange is going to be real interesting. Uh, you know, will he be using relief of Lane or Cartwright? Will he be thrown into the middle rotation potentially as a dynamic presence up the guts? Uh, we'll have to wait and see there. But he's obviously very flexible in how he can be deployed from the interchange, which is part of the attraction of having him there in rotation. Uh, and the other one I want to talk about, because obviously we've spoken about already uh, in prior podcasts, he had a good hit out last week and he's pretty much entrenched in the team now. But the player who came to us last year and yep. and was marred by injury, unfortunately, between you know some bad luck with a calf injury early on and then getting ruled out later, uh, Joe Ofengahi. Uh, he's probably, looking at that, that battle, him and Madison occupy a similar spot. And they're obviously going head-to-head in that regard. Wiramu's an out-and-out prop. He has that advantage where he just works in rotation with Reg and Junior. Uh, Kelmer has a little bit more versatility of the way he can be used across the edge and middle and also centre in a pinch. So that, that sort of separates him from the other two, even though Madison is versatile in his own way. Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to see what Joe brings to the team this year. Um, having the Again, we use that term, the benefit of a full preseason, but he's now entrenched in the Parramatta system. Uh, and yeah, he's, he's going to be playing through the middle, you'd presume, in rotation with either Hopgood or one of the props, I guess. Um, but yeah, can, can he be a difference maker for the Eels off the interchange? Oh, look, I believe so, John. He like he is one of the fittest individuals that you'll see and also has had a really good preseason. He's a voice out there on the field. He's, he's a senior player and values that responsibility of being a senior player. Uh, just as an aside, uh, I uh, had the opportunity to speak to Stefano Tokamanu recently. Uh, he lives not far from uh, from where I live and uh, I asked him about Joe and he, he spoke glowingly about what he brings to a group in terms of leadership and I thought, okay, that's, that's uh, I mean, that was his go-to straight away talking about his leadership. So uh, I, I think that backed up what I was seeing out on the field. And, uh, yeah, like you, I think he's going to be a presence in the Eels team this season. And there's has to be a lot said for getting at pre-season under your belt with a club. He, he didn't have the opportunity to learn too much last year. He was straight into into uh, being part of the first grade team, got that injury as you spoke about early on, but he didn't really get a chance to know his teammates, did he? No, it was in, into the uh, chaos of a team that was fighting for its life to make the top eight amidst all the injuries and suspensions. And yeah, unfortunately we fell short uh, with Joe also succumbing to injury. So yeah, it'd be good to see how he fits into the team now he's healthy and uh, being part of the preparation process. And yeah, that, that probably puts a cap on the NRL previous 60s as 
not too much else to discuss, I think. Obviously, the impact of some of those rule changes, we'll have to wait and see. But now that we've clarified what we understand is the change in downtown, I don't think it's going to impact Parramatta too much. I guess the short restarts could be a thing, but Gufferson has proven to be one of the most consistent uh, dropout restarters in the competition uh, with the short dropout. So that's just a, if anything, that's a net benefit for him. So if he does get it wrong, it's going to be a 10-meter restart, but he usually drops it on the dime, uh, you know, 11, 12 meters out. So he's good in that regard. And I guess maybe short kickoffs, but I don't think in a trial you're going to see too many of them. So I'm happy to close the book on this preview on that regard and move on to other games. Yeah, absolutely. And perhaps what we can also do just to uh, start things off is that um, uh, we should mention that there is some lower-grade trials that are taking place this weekend. We don't have any team lists, so we can't really do a preview as such. But if you're heading up towards... Uh, well, you're happy to have a drive up towards the Central Coast or it might be one of our Central Coast, Coast listeners, you're in for a treat because the Jersey Flag and New South Wales Cup teams are playing against the Newcastle Knights at uh, Morrie Breen uh, field up there at, uh, well, it's alternatively called Wyong where it is. It's also called uh, Canwal up there. That's uh, uh, not a bad venue to watch rugby league at. There's a uh, covered area for those who want to get out of the sun. And uh, the details on that is the Jersey flag trial will kick off at 12.30 p.m. And the New South Wales Cup trial will kick off at 2.15 p.m. I think what you're going to see there is a lot of the younger players in that New South Wales Cup team. You'll get a little bit more of an idea about who's in line for a run there in New South Wales Cup. Uh, the those, those fans that enjoy watching who's coming through in Jersey flag, this will also be another opportunity to see uh, some young players in action. A few more of the graduates from the SG ball team will probably be running around in that. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, about an hour or so up the highway. Those who now enjoy being able to get off the uh, Penadils Road. Uh, that that certainly <laughs> took out... The, the tunnel took out a lot of travel time there now. It's about from the... I know from when you hop on on the Hills Motorway, it's uh, seven and a half minutes from the Hills Motorway to... Um, hitting the the freeway up to the central coast, um, being able to do that uh, Penadils Road section now in only seven and a half minutes is an absolute treat. So you're just on an hour, maybe just a bit over to uh, to get to that venue. So you know what? That's about as as long as it takes to get to some Sydney venue. Sometimes that's it's a bit, not wrong if you're going over the Brookvale or or something in that vicinity. Yeah, it can be a fair trip across the metropolitan precincts. So, yeah, if you're on the Central Coast, though, make sure to check it out if you can. It'll be a good doubleheader footy there. Um, but that brings us to the other four games, which will be the opposite way towards Illawarra, uh, where the Eels take on the Steelers in all four junior representative games, as we sort of touched on in our chat with Steve Georgiala's 60s. This is a pretty pivotal week uh, in the junior reps, given that three of the Steelers teams are undefeated and Harold Matthews has just one loss to its name for the home team in Wollongong. Uh, Eels come... Hey, mate, uh, just sorry to interrupt, but... Man, are we here, there, and everywhere yeah. as, as a club yeah. this week? Ipswich, North Eastwick Reserve, yeah. Central Coast, down the South Coast. We are. Uh, we we had the 
we were able to catch up with some of the uh, team members of the Eels media team, weren't we, 60s? <laughs> They've got it pretty rough at the moment. They've been stretched every which way, wherever. Yeah, so the resources have been stretched very, very thin for the entirety of the club this week. Um, but we do have that four what, quartet of games again out in Wollongong, and it kicks off with the Lee Sifiola Cup at 10.30 a.m. Uh, Wind Stadium, of course, being the venue in the gong. Eels taking on the Illawarra Steelers, who have been a really, I have to have to say, six. They've been a very good setup for the juniors for the last few years, in particular. They've always been a rugby league heartland, but they've got their stuff together in recent seasons. They've been very competitive in all grades. They enter this round third on the ladder, uh, on points differential behind. Unsurprisingly, can you guess who the top two teams are this year? Uh, let me think. Uh... Are the Steelers up there? Steelers are third, but the two teams in the list, if you're ahead of them, uh, let's oh. just say they, they were dominant in the Tashigal last year. Oh. <laughs> the, the Roosters. Yes, sir. And uh, let's say the Bulldogs. Yes, the team that uh, got the Eels in round one, the Bulldogs. Uh, I mean, I tip my hat to those two clubs. They've certainly found the right balance in their pathways, structures for the Fiola and Tashi Gale. Um, the Eels coming to this round... They've got one win from their two starts and actually puts them not too far off the pace still. Uh, they're in eighth in a 13-team competition, so a chance to gain on the Central Coast Roosters, potentially. Uh, sea Eagles, Tigers and Panthers who are ahead of them. The Roosters obviously having two teams in this competition. And yeah, we'll look at the team name, 60s, and not too many surprises here. Uh, fullback as she has been for the rest of the season so far, Logan Lamusu, Nikita Eyre, the flyer on one wing with uh, Sienna Bonello, who I believe is a newcomer on the other wing. Uh, Fia Fia, Freedom, Crichton, Rapati, and Essence Arlo on the centres. Jasmine Rarari and Sharon Latapu. There's a couple of changes, I think, in the halves there. Then you've got Meta Sivo and uh, Shia Dekolic in the front row. Bally Marchong at dummy half. Fontaine Tafua, Leila Kuick, and Aaliyah Scrivens in the back row. On the interchange, it's Tiana Favia Tulamal, Leona Vey, uh, Evelyn Kuendu, and Anna Vave. Extend the roster, three plays this week. Kaylee Andrews. Uh, Mitzi Cairns and Savita Hagedorn. And yeah, we, we, we spoke with Steve obviously about this and really it, it's true across all grades as we said to him, but holding the ball, getting through your sets goes so long, so far for uh, these teams when it comes to getting on the front foot. Yeah, what you're seeing is in these games, the skill set that's there, but you're just not seeing any defensive yeah. pressure. Yeah. That's, um, the that's, individual talent yeah. is clearly there, um, but yeah. and that's what really separates a rep team from a, a good rep team is how it coalesces into that team sort of ethos and their ability to apply pressure both with and without the ball. So the teams that can hold on to the ball can show you know good structured aggressive defensive lines. They tend to strangle out their opponents in these grades. Yeah, and it's look, it's a tough ask for. Um, all of the grades this week, but uh, look, I think I think I'm prepared to go out on a limb and back the Lisa Fiola Cup team to have a win this week. I saw a, enough of the a jump you know, that, from week one to week two. Talent, yeah. That that first of all, the talent that's in the team, and then secondly, yes, that improved performance from week one to week two, which was. It was significant, and uh, and you know Cronulla, of the Sharks have always been strong in female uh, pathways. Uh, they look; they were one of the 
uh, I guess you'd talk about pioneers of um, the female uh, What, what precipitated the NRLW? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I, you know, you know that they're going to, you know they're going to field strong teams. So, for the Eels to get that victory over the Sharks, I thought that was a really good uh, bounce back from what was a, a really tough opponent in the first round in the in the Bulldogs, and we should emphasise that the Bulldogs, you know, they've they've done some significant recruitment for their female pathways. Teams. Being very very aggressive, but it's been very effective, and they've put together some real monstrous teams, both in terms of size, speed, and skill. So yeah, they've done a really good job there, and it's no surprise they got the chocolates in round one, and it's no surprise that like in the Lisa Fiola sixties that the Bulldogs and the Roosters are on top in the Tasha Gale. There's actually four undefeated teams in the Tasha Gale, including the Illawarra Steelers. Um, both or both, or All three of the Steelers, Bulldogs and Roosters are three from three, and the Seagulls are two wins from two starts with a bye to their name, hence the uh, four undefeated teams. But yeah, the Roosters and the Dogs are clear cut above in terms of point differential again. Um, but the Eels take on the undefeated Roosters in the Tasha Gale, and they look like this, uh, kicking off at 12 o'clock p.m., uh, we've got Dallas Graham Wivell at fullback, uh, Aisha Rain Pieters and Leticia Massima on the wings, Caitlin Pearden and Lindsay Tui in the centres. You've got Rafaela Perigo and Aliyah Hamano in the half, in the half sorry, uh, with Kalisa Mahe, Liana Dimmick in the front row with Rory Muir at dummy half this week. Leela Black, Bella Sanford and Riva Lee Arlo round out the back row. On the interchange, you've got Charlotte Cawthorn, Michaela Bourne, Dena Amina Nui Ali and Oriana Tulamau. The 18th player is Aliyah Ganum. Yeah, this of all the four previous 60s, I think the Tash Gal have it stacked up the most against them this week. You did mention, uh, and you said this quite strongly too, that you felt that they had the ascendancy against the Cronulla Sharks last week up until there was that 12-point swing. Uh, Eels had a no-try come, turn into a seven-tackle set, which saw the Sharks go down the field and score, and that really assert momentum in the contest. Uh we, we know that the Tasha Gale's got talent in it. And again, it just comes back to getting through your sets. Uh, if you complete and you, you, you ice those opportunities, you're the one putting the scoreboard pressure on your opponents. Uh, it's going to be a tough ass to do it against the Steelers in Wollongong, uh, but they do need to get this can kick down the road and, and start getting some momentum Sorry, in their season. Yeah, look, I'm probably not prepared to tip the Tasha Gale team to win unless they can fix that completion rate up. That's fair. Because if if they get into that area of just turning over too much ball, then, yeah, it's it's not going to happen for them. Uh, that, to me, is the greatest way that they can turn things around. The The skill set is there. We we know that there's players there with a, with a bit of pace in the team. We, we know that, like, when I spoke about them being on top early, and the forwards were really doing some, you know, real damage. The offloads, the sec, you know, that second phase play that was coming. Mahe the- and Dimmick can really cause havoc through the middle, so it's not surprising. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, and it was opening up the opportunities on the edges, but um, they they went from having all of that early running to, uh, you know, the, the as you said momentum change was so significant and there just wasn't a way for them to climb back into it 
especially against a quality opponent. Now, we know that the Steelers will be a quality opponent because they're undefeated. The other thing that's tough for the girls this year is that their first three matches thus far are all the way from home. I mean, that is a really... That's, that's brutal. In a, in a nine-round competition, and obviously it, it swings back the other way, you'd want to hope looking at the, at the schedule, that you get your home games back in hand, but your margin of error is so slim in the junior representatives. When you drop one or two games early on, and you've got three, not, not, not only three away game 60s, but three away games against legitimately quality opposition. That is tough. Yeah, well, they, they finish with a flourish with three games at home. Um, but uh, they they go uh, round five, they get a home game. Round six, they're back away from home again. So they've, they get, they've had one home game in the first six rounds in a nine-round competition, and then they get three home games in a row. Now, the tough thing about that, of course, is the season can get away from you before you're really getting into any sort of groove. And, and we know how important home games are. Conversely, if you make the finals when you've had a draw like that, then you know you've well and truly earned a place in finals football. So uh, I guess you know, to, to use a hackneyed phrase, the ball's in their court. Mm-hmm. So uh, now we move we move to a couple of undefeated. Teams. I couldn't couldn't quite segue perfectly there to the balls in their court to the SG ball because the next game chronologically is the Harold Matthews. This one kicks off at oh, I just reopened the tab that accidentally closed one thirty p.m. Uh, the undefeated Eels coming off their round three bye, taking on the Illawarra Steelers. Eels enter this round in second in this competition uh, behind the Bulldogs on for and against by twelve points. So a chance to close that gap. The Steelers, meanwhile, they've dropped one game. Uh, they've played two, won one, lost one, and had a bye. Uh, so we haven't really got a chance to ascertain how good or bad they are this year. It's always difficult in the early seasons when you early part of the season when you've got these early buys. Um, so there's a chance for the Eels to you know really consolidate their position at the top of the ladder, or for the Steelers to still march back into. We're not sure if it's a top eight, but top eight, top five, whatever the structure is this year. We we'll have to get some clarity on that. Um, Eels have a couple of changes this week, uh, a couple of big players out. I think they've been uh, no long-term injury 60s, but uh, one of those ones where it's a week-to-week basis, so you don't risk him this early in the season, which means at fullback there is no Cyrus Bloomfield this week. He's been replaced by Lorima Salkuru. Get our first look at uh, at the young fullback here. On the wings, you've got Gerald Tutula, and then you've got Lorima Rokosuka. So you've got two Lorimas in this team, which is uh, cool to see. Not a, not a common first name by any means, but... Rokosuka's been a stalwart, a mainstay of his team, and he gets joined by a, a fellow namesake at fullback. Uh, in the centres, you've got Anders Johansson and Nathan Howitt. They've been there for all, well, this is the third game now, but all the other two games of the season. In the halves, again, unchanged, Talon Rosati and Lincoln Fletcher have been a good combination for the Eels in the mats. Uh, there is a change in the front row. No Ocean Vivella this week. Uh, he's replaced by Leviticus Funa Ayuda in the 10. Ryder he's a unit, he's a unit he, isn't he? he is a... Uh, he's done really well to get himself into to good playing shape, Leviticus. He, he looks like a real solid unit out there now. He can he can move too, which is good to see. And then the, one of the real powerhouses for the Eels and the Harold Mats in the first two games, Ryder Talungi, he'll start uh, in the other bookend spot. Ezra Leota, who's been a live wire recruit for the Eels from Queensland, he'll be at dummy half, being real sharp out of dummy half for the Eels. 
start 2024. Then we've got an uh, unchanged back row, I believe, Samuel Polly, Michael Nauer, and then Mason Talsia Ong at lock forward. Uh, three very good players there as well. On the interchange, Wesley Picotti, Kai Wilson, Kasinga Noah, and Natutu, Natutu Tasina Leota, uh, I believe the brother of Ezra. And then you've got the two extended roster players, Alma Fatangaseve and Michael uh, Fila, Filalava. Uh, the uh, <clears throat> Eels round out their... It's a 20-man... It goes up to 20 on the ro- in the roster jerseys, but it's a 19-man squad. It's still a good-looking team, even with the two big outs there. No Bloomfield, no Vivella, 60s. Uh, again, hearkening back to our chat with uh, with Steve Georgialis, you really uh, almost lavish praise on uh, how fluent this team is playing football and their positive brand of team football that incorporates the individual skills of some very good prospects alongside a, a almost shockingly well-developed team strategy for the Harold Matthews. Look, they play a very physical brand of football through the middle. And, I mean, it is it is like clinical rugby league because they, they win the middle. They do the, they, they've got players who can do damage on the edge. They've got a spine that directs the play nicely around the field. And then they, they've got some flash in the outside backs to take advantage of it. It's a, it's a team that's got good game management, They've got uh, yeah. some potential X Factor players in the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fletcher. And Fletcher gives you the game all. management, and you got you know, like talking about Leota, Ezra, he gives you that explosibility from the the playmaking spine as well. Yeah. So, um, if if you're looking to construct a team, and you're thinking, you know, what qualities do I need there? Then, at the moment, from what I've seen from the Harold Mats, it's a very well-balanced team. They tick a lot of boxes as far as the structure of a team is concerned. I'm looking forward to seeing this game. It's uh, it's a real consolidation round against a, a tough opponent. If they can get off to uh, a three, three win and one bye start to the season, I mean, that's as as perfect as you can get. They've built up a, a decent for and against in those two wins. So the differentials working nicely there. Um, yeah, I think, I think they've got some players that people will enjoy keeping an eye on as they, as they move through pathways football. Uh, it's, we talk many times about, you know, being an inexact science about predicting who's going to be, someone who will graduate to the NRL and, and pathways football uh, into the lower grades. It's, it's a real funnel. Like the further you move along, the narrower those opportunities become because you're not going to get from a group of uh, say 25 in a squad in Harold Matthews. If you get two or three that end up being NRL players, you're probably doing quite well. In a, in a particular program, mm-hmm. um, especially, uh, and you might get the odd one that moves over to another another club to get an opportunity. But yeah, if you can get two or three players that can graduate, you're doing you're doing good because you can imagine, like, like even even if you if it was half a dozen, you're not going to get uh, half a dozen of a particular age group going through and being part of the same NRL team 
all at the same time. Like it's just it doesn't happen because the opportunities no, are not there for like the odds years, the odds of having, years. you know, six NRL spots all come up for grabs at the same time due to, you know, people leaving or getting too old and retiring. It, yeah, the, the maths doesn't always add up. So like you said, getting yeah, free... and not year on... And it does certainly doesn't happen year on year. No, Because no. there isn't that sort of turnover at the top level. So it's this is why they talk to young footballers, not just about having a plan B. They talk to them about having two plan A's. Yes, sir. So they keep up their studies or, or they keep up their career training as they're going through uh, Pathways Football because... You, it, it, those opportunities just get, as I said, narrower and narrower, like a funnel. So, uh, but there will be players that you'll be able to watch from this group going through into uh, lower grade football at least, and you'll enjoy watching them. So, um, yeah. And now, um, oh, look, I guess a tip there. I'm going to tip the Eels to win this one. I think it because it's the Steelers and it's away from home, it is going to be a, a tough encounter. And even without a couple of key players out, I think the Eels will get the job. I am I am a little bit leery about a lack of uh, Bloomfield and Vivella. Uh, you know, Bloomfield is just the prototypical athlete, isn't he? He's just so fast and big and has done some fantastic stuff at the back end. Uh, Vivella was, you know, the Eels' demolition man in terms of the controlled violence that he brings to the field on both sides of the ball. So they will be significant outs, but I'm also keen to see what... Uh, Larima Salkuru can do as well as Leviticus in a starting role. So I, I too am going to tip the Eels to win here and, and perhaps even win well. Uh, but it's always difficult to to get a, a read on a team out of a bye. So that that is my cautionary note there. We might come out you know supercharged because we're so fresh. Oz might stumble a little bit early on as we get back into a rhythm. So look for the Eels to win this one and hopefully win well, which brings us to the final encounter of the Saturday quartet. Late in the afternoon here, 3 o'clock kickoff for the SG Boar. Eels taking on the Steelers. Uh, we mentioned that the Steelers were undefeated in, all, in three of the four grades, and that is true in the SG Boar, the final team of their undefeated trio. Uh, they come into this game just ahead of the Eels on front against by plus 12. Both teams without a loss to their name. Eels, as we've mentioned in multiple occasions this season, are plucky, competitive, with an ability to finish stronger than their opponents uh, based on, you know, good game management and uh, and perhaps some really good fitness levels. They're going to be tested this week, though, because the Steelers, they've uh, obviously had a very strong start as well. Um, and these two teams are actually pretty matched across attack and defense in terms of their points differential, um, with the Steelers having just slight advantages in both columns to give them that plus 12 for and against. Uh, so Eels line up like this, though. Um, I don't think there's too many changes this week looking at the team quickly. Uh, no. So starting at fullback, it's Junior Fangalele. On the wings, it's Muhammad Alamadine and Dom Ferruja. In the centres, Dakota Kukoi and Devonto Ivella. It's a pretty handy back line there. In the halves, Lorenzo Talatina and Dylan Brett will continue their combination. Front row, it's Javan Stevenson-Hala and Sebastian Piocala. I think they've swapped jerseys this week. That's odd. Uh, Jai Camilleri is a dummy half. He's been quite impressive in his debut season as an eel. The young back rower, Josiah Funa Ayuto, will be on one edge. Tyrese Lekenny on the other. Max Popo at lock forward. Mark Williams, Lawson Moffat, Bo Lucian, and Isaiah Murphy round out the interchange. Got a three-man extended roster this week with Tyson Sangalang in the 18, Corey Lee at 19, and Lachlan Koinakis, who was pretty handy last year, 
Um, I think he's coming back from injury 60s. He's yes, in the yeah, 22. Yeah. So I, I could see him forcing his way into the team sooner rather than later because he had a very good 2023. Uh, and yeah, very keen to see how this team goes. Uh, we, we Even though they had a big score against the, the Tigers last week, we haven't seen them dominate from the get-go. Uh, I'm not sure if they can do it against the Steelers given the quality opposition, but uh, their ability to finish strongly is a pretty good uh, uh, ace to have in your sleeve though. We've spoken about this uh, a couple of times. It was one of our talking points with Steve Georgialis was that ability to find something extra to get the win, to come like they, their resilience. Uh, they've come from behind in the first two rounds. They were at risk of falling behind against the Tigers and then kicked away late in the game, just like they did in the first two rounds. So, Fitness levels are obviously very good for a start. Mm-hmm. Their self-belief in being able to battle out of a tough situation is also important. Um, it's been key to the win. They've got players that are getting the job done in when, the, when it needs to be done. And looking at this week, when they're playing against a Steelers team that's also undefeated, and we know that the Steelers are, are strong in junior reps. This will be, I think, a really good indicator about how the SG ball team is travelling. We know that, and we've spoken about this, that there are a lot of players who are age eligible at the Eels to still play SG ball, which is, for those people unaware, that's uh, 19 years and younger. Uh, turning 19 or, or, or younger this year, um, Harold Matt's being 17 years and younger. The, so the SG ball team has a lot of players that now have been given an opportunity because those other players have been elevated to higher grades. Now, that means we're maybe seeing players that we might not have got to see if the Eels had simply been looking at winning an SG ball title because they, the Eels could go back-to-back if they played every eligible player age-eligible player in SG Ball. So in seeing more players get an opportunity, that depth of the Eels' pathways has been increased, which is a really, really good thing. And we're seeing players that have been recruited to the club from elsewhere, as well as uh, established pathways players get that opportunity. Look, I've been really impressed with how they've uh, managed to find wins. So if they're able to harness that same determination this week against the Steelers, they'll go a long way. I'm probably less reluctant to tip an an outright win because I know how good the Steelers Mm -hmm. side is. Uh, Let's just say, I think that the, if we get the same from the Eels, this week is what we have in the uh, first three rounds. They'll go a long way towards getting the win. I'm look. I'm going to tip them in a narrow win this this week. Yeah, I think this is definitely a game that is close to a coin toss and the other hitouts they've had this season. Uh, you're playing a good team at home, at their home, sorry, which is always a tough ask. But in saying that, and I think you've articulated a lot of what I wanted to say anyway, which you did a good job there. It's hard not to be impressed by the, the attitude, the pluckiness of this team. Um, like you said, this is not uh, necessarily our full strength roster, if you want to say it that way, given 
the talents that have been elevated the senior football prospectively uh, through the preseason. Uh, we've got a whole you know raft of guys that could be you know walk on starters here, and not just starters but superstars. Um, and it's it's to the benefit of the program. I think we, we've we've talked about it at length about the pros and cons of accelerating talent and the opportunities that it can give you, and whether you want to win titles in this grade and whatnot. And we saw the we saw the hills again. Uh, practicing the idea of bringing talent up faster and still winning a title last year in the SG ball. So this is a good uh, litmus test for them, taking on another undefeated team. I think, like you said, it'll be it's going to be a narrow uh, margin of victory for either team here. Um, I, I think if they can just... There was a bit of a lull against the Tigers. They, they actually started pretty strong in, this, in the game, the Eels, but there was a little bit of a lull heading towards half-time. If they can just iron that out a bit, they'll be in a good uh, the good steed to take the win. So I'll, I'll tip them for the win, but it's going to be a narrow margin. So single-digit points by, you know, whatever, one to nine, whatever you want to call it. Um, but, yeah, really keen to see how this one plays out because this is a team that the, I think the Mats is probably our most talented pathways uh, program in 2023, 2024, sorry. Uh, but this team, the character they've shown, um, that that is a reflection, obviously, of coaching, but also of the mental makeup of the players in this squad, which is a very positive thing. And I'm keen to see how far that can carry them this year. Yeah. And of course, with these players being given an opportunity that may not, they may not have been given if uh, all those age eligible players were uh, stacked into the SG ball means you could be unearthing talent that you didn't realize was there. And, And sometimes talent just needs opportunity. Yep. And we know that there is, like the the difference in talent between players who be who become who, who have an NRL career and players that don't have an NRL career, it, it can be minimal in terms of talent, in terms of attitude, application, and sometimes opportunity and a bit of luck. That's that can sometimes separate what what happens in terms of the career of young footballers. So. Uh, if if they've got it in their makeup that they are um, have that determination, that application, not in, in probably not just on the on the playing field, but on the training field as well. If if they are determined to make the best of whatever opportunities come their way, and to do everything in their power to put themselves into a position to be winners, both individually and as part of a team, then that's going to carry them a long way. Yep. So yep. Um, yeah, so. Uh, you know, full marks to what for them for what they've done so far, and really looking forward to what they can do from this point on. Because if they can start four and zero in an SG ball season, you know that's that's going to instill even more confidence in uh, in what they're able to achieve. So anyway, Matt, I think we've just about covered. Uh, I mean, this has been a jam packed episode of uh, the tip sheet, hasn't it, today? Yeah, been a lot to, between a, a fantastic chat with Steve Georgialis to previewing. I know we didn't do the, the Flegan Cup uh, previews per se, but it was five pretty heavy previews around that, so it's just as well we didn't have team lists to look at for the two of our senior teams, otherwise we would have been here for another hour. So it's been a been a fun podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I hope in particular you enjoyed the chat with Steve Georgialis and our, our chance to come back and revisit some of those things of him in the coming weeks and months. Um, that will be an ongoing process. So thanks to Steve for the, the timeline he gave us then, but also the time he's setting aside for us in the future. Um, 60s, anything you want to say before we sign off? 
Well, I certainly want to thank our sponsors, Big Swing Golf at North Mead and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellan and Parramatta. Of course, uh, we want to thank Paraleagues for their support of Junior Rugby League in the district and their support of us with our live coverage of Eels Junior Rep football. And as I always say, go you mighty Eels.